this is the Real Estate Shop, where each episode will bring you a top industry expert to share their current programs or projects that are making an impact in our communities today. Be sure to check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Oh, I can't complain. Can't complain. Y'all look life is good. I uh, just wanted to thank you for making time to speak to our audience. What was your first position that you held in the industry? Oh, man. Uh, well, it depends on, on how broadly you define the industry. Um, <laughs> because when I guess the summers between my eighth grade year, my freshman year of high school, and my ninth grade year, my 10th grade year, I roofed houses for a guy named Glenn Rossi um out in uh in suffolk county long island um mostly tar shingles uh did some demo work as well for a sub that he had and a few different houses out there uh, it was great you know my my improvement on spanish from eighth grade spanish to 10th grade spanish was massive over the summer <laughs> and uh i'm still not handy around the house right unless your roof is leaking or you want to blow out some drywall but um uh, that was my first uh real real estate job you know, but it's it's funny, right? Uh, I got a lot of technical training when I was a lot younger than that. Um, because my father made my real estate education and my real education kind of happen simultaneously, right? So when kids learn addition and subtraction and like how to carry numbers, right? Or how to borrow, um, I learned that on a P&L, right? So we would work together by hand uh, to figure out what net operating income Nice. Um, and then, you know, when you learn long division, right, or multiplication, where you have to do the you know, addition below it, um, you know, I, I learned that the day I learned what a cap rate was, right, and how to find building value um, and uh, how to calculate your interest payments on a mortgage. Um, so it was, uh, it was all real estate was always a part of what I was doing. I think uh, when you're a young kid, you know, you're kind of frustrated that your dad's giving you extra homework. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, you know, you're 15, 16, and, you know, you have a, an understanding of a lot of the hard skills uh, that are necessary to underwrite and, and navigate real estate transactions. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I think I heard the cat rate story before and always like, man. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking, it was a, I can't, can I curse? I can curse. Yeah, you can do what you want to do. I, I, I was fucking annoying. <laughs> I was like, my dad's got these word problems, and for what? You know, like, uh, wow. And, no, no. And we would, we, you know, I'd come home, right? Or like, if I wanted to do something, you always have like a word problem. So I'd be like, oh, I want to go to McDonald's after basketball practice. Like, yeah, okay. Um, let's talk about how much you think that building is worth, right? <laughs> you know, or it'd be like pop quiz, like define the difference between gross square feet and net rentable square feet, which one's bigger, you know? And, and, you know, so I, I don't think he gave me much of a choice, man. I could have been a doctor, you know? Um, but uh, you know, I fell into this and, and, and love it. But gotcha. yeah, so their, their lives, Kervin, I could have been saving, you know? That's wild. What led you to establish legacy real estate development and what impact is your firm looking to have on communities? I think there's two answers to, you know, uh, to what caused me to start legacy, right? Um, the first one's a really practical answer. You know, people's core uh, focuses on public private partnerships. It means we buy land from municipalities, we repurpose them to private uses. And because, you know, governors and mayors, if they're doing things right, don't get a promote if they sell the building for a lot of money, right? Uh, they get reelected. 
and they get reelected by doing things for their constituents. And, and that's a bunch of policy objectives. So when the municipality sells a piece of property, they care about reoccurring tax revenue, about uh, about union jobs, uh, about creation of affordable housing. And so when we thought about policy objectives uh, that, that cities cared meaningfully about, um, in the early aughts and in the 90s, uh, that was revitalizing uh, formerly economically enfranchised downtown courts, right? It was taking high-income earners out from the suburbs and bringing them back down into city centers. And that meant luxury developments, hotels, you know, uh, exceptional uh, high-end retail. Um, but post-GFC, the paradigm changed, right? Cities were too successful in that endeavor priced a lot of working folks out of the urban centers. And so affordable housing like made its way to the top of like the municipal cultural zeitgeist, uh, for lack of a better word. And what happened is we didn't know how to do affordable housing. And, and Steve, you were actually a big part of, of my education, um, but uh, we had you know offloaded affordable housing responsibilities to third parties. You didn't have a lot of control there, so it didn't go as well as you would have wanted. Um, and and so eventually we said, you know, let's figure it out. And uh, and and you know, we tried to. We certainly, uh, we certainly think we figured it out. Now we've got a 350 million dollar affordable housing pipeline nationally. We're not only in DC, we're in Boston, we're in Miami. Um, so we do a lot, a lot of different places. Um, but um, that was, you know, that's the practical answer, right? So that's answer like one A, right? Um, that's why someone sort of around People's Corp would have started an affordable housing development business, right? I think answer one B uh, is is a lot more personal. Um, you know, I got an extraordinarily successful father, right? Um, you know, uh, a leader in in the space, um, you know, in, in sort of every measurable outcome. I think that, that as a, a sort of second generation real estate guy, um, you you have this, you have these competing objectives, right? On one hand, like a lot of sons, right? Especially sons who share the same name as their father, you want to be just like him, right? Uh, you want to do everything that your dad does, you know, because uh, you look up to him, right? And, and on the other hand, you're like, I want to uh, make a name for myself. I want to do my own mm -hmm. thing, right? And and both of those things, you feel sort of both of those at the same time. And uh, legacy was, was the exact right answer uh, to achieve both of those objectives simultaneously, right? So I want to be just like my dad. I want to be a real estate developer, right? Um, and I love how he did it. I want to I want to add something unique and something a little different. Um, you know, it's like when you know, like. My mom's got sisters and the sisters are good cooks, you know, and she gets a recipe from her sister. It's already good, uh, but she adds a couple different things to it to make it her own, mm -hmm. right? Uh, that's that's how I think of legacy. And that, that's answer 1B. It's, you know, want to be just like the big guy, right? But want it to feel like me. Sweet. And then the second piece of your question, because Steve, you asked these big questions, so I got to talk for a while to get the right answers. Um, <laughs> The, the second piece of your question, what do we hope to achieve for communities, right? I think that that's such a, that's such an important question, right? Um, but I don't kid myself, right, in thinking that it, housing is just the answer, right? Housing is a start. You know, what I want legacy to help achieve for communities is the same thing that I think, you know, the communities want for themselves, that the politicians who represent those communities want, that the fathers and mothers and grandparents who are in those communities want for their children, right? Which is, you know, to create equal access to opportunity, 
and to create the framework for a better life. And I think the big challenge that we have in America is that it's not your race or your gender or your sexual orientation uh, that by and large uh, dictates how you turn out. It's your zip code. The most important decision you can make in a child's life is where you're going to raise him or her. And uh, affordable housing, and certainly affordable housing the way that I aspire to do affordable housing, right, uh, helps bridge the gap between the good zip codes and the bad zip codes. But I'm not um, naive enough to think that it's just affordable housing that solves that problem, right? I think that it's affordable housing and housing itself is a start, but it's the community that you create around that housing, right? The resources that you, you know, push in to the community that surrounds that housing, right? Um, you know, the opportunities that exist outside of that housing uh, that, that achieve the outcome that we want, right? So I aspire to be a small piece in a much bigger puzzle. Wait, yeah, you know, I grew up in Dorchester in Massachusetts and you're doing a project in Boston. When you told me about it, I couldn't believe the location. Yeah. That yeah. Well, that, that's what it is, right? If you're a kid who grows up in the back bay, you're better off, like it's just statistically, Different you're better off than, than a kid that born, uh, grew up in Dorchester or frankly yeah. anywhere else in yeah. uh, in Massachusetts. Yep. You know, I mean, the zip code that we're proposing to build 100% affordable housing um, is the zip code that people propose to build ultra luxury condominiums that sell out for $3,000 a square foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so that in itself is a paradigm breaking decision. But like anything that's done for the first time, and frankly, anything that's really meaningful, it's hard to do, right? Um, and I think that, that that's the fun part of this business and how we approach this business is we get these really atypical executions. We get these really, really tall mountains to climb, right? And we've got to figure out how to be the first person to climb them. Nice. Walk, walk through your day-to-day, your typical day as chairman of, of Legacy. Why did you choose to you know, step in and chairman role? Yeah, you know, um, so I, I'll answer the second question first because I think it's an important question. I think, uh, look, I'm, I'm a young guy, right? Um, you're a young guy who's been exposed to a lot from a very early age. So just sometimes I don't feel all that young. And see, we've known each other for 10 years, but I'm 29, mm-hmm. right? So you knew me before I graduated college. Um, I, don't, I don't profess to, to know everything uh, about how real estate development is done. I think I know a lot. You know, um, but uh, there are a ton of folks with multiples of my experience. And, uh, you know, I think I found somebody uh, in that, Gerard Delane, uh, who's just, who's done it for a while, who's done it in places that are indelibly complex and circumstances that are really nuanced. Uh, and has seen a lot of things, right, particularly in the affordable housing space that I haven't seen. Um, I think it, to do justice to his experience is to keep him in as CEO uh, and, and for me to remain on as chairman. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's important to build a big tent, right? And, and it's, uh, it's important to build a great team, right? And the goal is, is championships, not MVP awards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm obviously, you know, uh, or that, that's at least, you know, how, how we've thought of our corporate organization and, and why I've stepped into the chairman role. 
Now, I spent so much time answering the second question. I forgot the first question, Colonel. What was that? Oh, my day to day. My day to day. My day to day is terrible. Uh, I mean, I like it, but it's, it's not fun uh, for, for y'all. So uh, on the weekdays, my alarm goes off at 4.45 a.m. Immediately, I do what all high-powered executives do. I turn over. I pick up my phone. I consider hitting snooze on Instagram, and I flip through that for about five or six minutes. Right. Uh, <laughs> You know, at some point, right, I get up, uh, I eat a little bit, and uh, I walk over to the gym. Uh, I work out with a buddy of mine, uh, actually extraordinarily accomplished guy, outside of real estate. So we won't hold his career choices against him. Um, name's Troy Jones. He uh, founded a virtual reality gaming company after playing football in college called Status Pro. Uh, this is my shameless plug. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, but uh, if you like uh, virtual reality gaming and you like football, uh, you should definitely check it out. You buy it at Best Buy and stuff like that. But he's created an awesome company. He's an awesome guy. And, and I think, you know, in large part, right, who you surround yourself with is a really important part, a really important component of who you are. Um, so he and I get a workout in um, at 530. Um, workout from 530 to seven, give or take, uh, or, you know, uh, I try to get out there early, but he's a football guy. So he's got like a 45 minute warm up. So sometimes 7:15. <laughs> um, I'm back home, shower, shave, and, and in the office by about 8:30, 8:45. Nice. Um, you know, and, and once I get here, right, it's the the first thing I do when I sit down at my desk, um, beyond get a cup of coffee, uh, is is I get through a to do list. So I have like three categories in my to do list. Right, I have a today, I have a long term, and I have a personal. Um, and the goal of the day is outlined in the to-do list and they're organized by priority. So I work my way down, uh, and if, you know, to-do list ends up being 20 things long by the end of the day. If I get through nine, it's an average day. If I get through 12, I'm killing it. I've never X them all out. Um, but, uh, that's, that's how I, how I like to orient it. Um, you know, like I, you guys are in the business and I'm sure most of the folks who listen to this are in the business as well. Uh, no two days are the same. Uh, a lot of a lot of talking on the phone, some mass, some in-person meetings. I think you're always playing, you know, uh, especially if you have multiple projects in multiple places, you're always playing multiple layers of chess at, at mm -hmm. any given time, right? You're thinking about how, where you are in this deal and what that next problem is, where you are in the next one and where the next problem is and so on. So um, no two days are the same, but uh, I try to get out of the office. Uh, I don't know, you know, 7, 45, 8 o'clock, because uh, I get up so early, that's like bedtime for me. So I drive home and I go to sleep. Um, the rule is, unless it's work-related, uh, Sunday to Thursday night, I don't do anything. Um, so I am, whatever it is, finishes, I am at home, I watch TV. During football season, if the Dolphins have the 8-15 game, I TiVo it or record it. Um, and uh and that's that's it wake up and hit the ground running again i hear you i hear you yeah i told you guys it wasn't gonna be exciting like you might even cut that <laughs> but, just like no we already, like, we already know man. like the most boring fucking possible <laughs> that a human could have no <laughs> no know? we, we, we I always do it and i was like this shit exactly exactly <laughs> we, we always had a to-do list and that that you know grenade gets launched in and just blows everything up and you're like oh my god oh yeah no but every day the grenade gets launched in and fucked every up the day list. i just like i just do it just so that i know that it's going to get ruined later but the 
there's at least like at least I'm pretending that there's structure. Yeah, you have you know? to do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it. I love it. Like I love going on dates, right? Like uh and, and she asked me like what what you do, right? And and I'm like, Oh, uh, I'm in real estate and, and she'll go, Oh, so you will you sell houses? And I'm like, I wish. Yeah, you know, it's it's like they're boring days from a structure standpoint, but they're really exciting because you get to solve a lot of problems that are a lot of that are really different, right? Yeah. You get to solve people problems mostly, right? Which is like, how do I get these people to see it my way, right? Um, you get to solve like ergonomic problems a lot. Like I have this box, it has these rules. How can I make it the biggest box, right? right. Or the most saleable box, or how can I make it the least expensive box? Yeah. Um, right. And so you, you these like, like real sort of physical problems in space. Uh, and then you have these math problems, right? And and you're like, well, you know, especially Steve with what in Kerman with what we do in affordable housing, it's all structured finance. Right. Right. So it's how can we get creative uh to leverage all available government subsidies uh you know and and, and resources uh in order to to bring something that but for those resources otherwise wouldn't exist, right? To create an impossibility in capitalism. Um you know, which is to create something that's worth mm-hmm. less than the cost to construct, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so you're naturally losing dollars, right? Find a way to bridge that gap and create a little extra. So, you know, yeah. that problem to me is always is always the most fascinating. People don't think about is like how much uh, the um, the the legislative environment changes and how being on the cutting edge of that gives you such a a meaningful advantage over your competitors. Yeah, yeah, that 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 enough will keep you busy, man. It's it's the community meetings aspect that I can't handle, and I'm I'm trying to learn it, man. But I just that's the tough part. <laughs> man, you know what? I don't mind, honestly. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I don't mind. I don't. I kind of like that, man. I I I love it. Like like I've been trying recently to reframe difficult shit, right? right. Like difficult shit is the reason nobody else does it. But that's the mm-hmm. reason that I get paid to do it. Exactly. So anytime there's like a big challenge, you know, yep. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, this is why I'm the guy here. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, like I, I understand. Uh, that's I, true. I know? tell people, man, if if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's something that you know. <laughs> it's always... it's just, if it's fucking hard and it stretches you, you're moving in the right direction, right? Exactly. Like, like that's that's the thing is, is yep. you gotta lean in. You gotta find difficulty and be like, this is where I need to be headed. Exactly. This is, you know, this is where the growth happens. And, you know, I, I like the community meetings, you know, not because I think they're like an integral pillar of democracy. Because I agree, Steve, it's a little frustrating sometimes when you <laughs> thought about something for years and right. somebody shows up having looked at a PowerPoint presentation 10 minutes ago and has a, an idea that you've never thought about. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just for our audience, like, what was it like growing out legacy? Right. You talked about hiring Gerard and like building a team. Can you talk to us about that? It, it's a different skill set, actually, um, mm-hmm. between creating a business and generating economic surplus, right? And and building a team and creating replicable outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of what I have to or had to reframe my thinking is to go from what's the best deal decision to how can we create processes that lead us to individual decisions that are in the best interest of the project, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's thinking about like, okay, like how can we make replicable outcomes, right? And continue to refine our internal processes 
to to work independently of of sort of me as the founder, right? And and Gerard's been a great part of it. Rob's been uh, Rob Salcedo has joined us a couple of months ago. Has been another awesome part of it, right? But um, you know, it's uh, it's about putting the right team together to do the right things. Um, and making sure that that team kind of shares the same ethics and values that, that you have. Um, and I'm, I'm really lucky to, you know, uh, to have guys uh, on my side that, that work harder than me, that in large part are, are smarter than I am, you know, that, that see angles that I don't see. And just like when, when I talk about friendships, right, it's important that your friends are people you admire, right, and that they have enviable characteristics that you can replicate. Like, I love it when my friends are doing something like I don't do, you yeah. know, um, like, uh, like, you know, we're track work, right? Um, you know, I'll, I'll go to the gym and lift weights and work out then, but like, I won't go on the track later on in the day and, and do sprints, you know, uh, like Troy does that. I like that Troy does that. I don't do it because I feel like a little self-conscious and, uh, you know, I got another friend that tracks his time during the day. I don't do that, right? But he does. He tracks how he makes cash it. He tracks how he spends every minute of every day to make sure that it's aligned with, with how he wants to be living his life. I think that shit's inspiring. I'm self-conscious. Maybe I should be doing that, right? They always mm -hmm. push you. It's amazing when, when you know, guys on our team, right, do the same thing. Um, Rob, who joined us, is a great example, you know, um, came in. He's like, we don't have an, a real onboarding process. And then he made one, right? Um, you know, he's like, Hey, we don't have a standard operating procedure for how we underwrite deals. So he made one, right? Uh, we don't have a checklist to make sure that you didn't miss anything in your model and in your due diligence. And he made one, right? Those are the kind of guys you want on your side, right. you know, um, because those are the kind, you're only, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And, and in Legacy's case, that's me. So I'm pretty strong. So I, I feel really good about our chances. Um, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a different disposition than, than being an entrepreneur, being sort of a founder, an owner proprietor. But, um, but I think it's one that, that, you know, I'm, I'm excited to lean into that. I've got my father and I've got Gerard as, as folks who, you know, give me tons of guidance and, and that's, it's been outstanding. Nice. Hey, uh, you tell the audience what it was like to complete your first deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough to, uh, done a bunch of deals with with my dad you know so it was nice to do one do the first one with without him um, 17 mississippi that that was um it was um it was a big moment uh you know for a lot of reasons um i remember when i was a kid and i was playing basketball you know i was okay basketball player and uh you know i never like um i never well, i started off the game really really nervous because i cared about winning i was afraid to lose and you know, tip off, and we have the first few possessions. I get a little more comfortable, but until I saw one go through the net, I was never really comfortable. Once, once, once I got one, you know, once I got a bucket, then it was okay. Now we're playing, right? And then the game started to feel natural, you know. And uh, I think, I think with Legacy, we wanted to see one get through the net, and the 17 Mississippi is a long time coming, you know, and it got through the net. I think in large part, you know, uh, because we brought the right team together. And there, I was an owner proprietor, it's just me. Um, but, you know, brought in National Housing Partnership Foundation, I mean, incredible, Steve Green, mentor to me and someone who I really, really admire, um, you know, he has an uh, awesome team around him, guys like Tim Pryor, um, who just, you know, uh, gave me a lot of, like, just like, you know, I steal things from my friends, or I steal things from my employees, I steal things from my partners, you know, um, 
and uh, and and I I stole like a lot of good habits uh, from from Tim, you know, um, and uh, you know I, again I mean it's it's great to get the monkey off your back because it's rare you get a chance to be this introspective, you know, in your day to day. People want to invite you to dinner parties, you can monologue. Gotcha, gotcha. I know you talked about expanding to Boston, Miami, and Cali as well. Like, what's an attractive market for for legacy? What do you guys look for? We're super opportunistic, um, you know, and it's it, it's places we like to work. Um, you know, places where we have like authentic connections to the community, uh, places where we understand the affordable housing landscape. Where we, okay. You know, uh, we seek some transparency in the allocation of gap resources and a systematized process. Uh, to how to get those gap resources allocated to our particular project, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I like Miami because it's, uh, you know, it, it's a place that I, I essentially grew up. Uh, I know, I know block by block. I know it exceptionally well. Um, I have a long track record here uh, in the same way that I have a long track record in Washington, D.C., that I know it well, that I've lived there, right? Um, you know, so I think familiarity is is a big part of it. You know, real estate's a local business, and the further away you are from the dirt, the worse the worse you are at it, right? If you know your market block by block, building by building, uh, you're going to be much more tuned to the opportunities than you know uh, somebody who who doesn't consider themselves local, who doesn't have boots on the ground. And so I I really like being you know really intimately familiar with the markets that we you know, identified um, and making sure that before we allocate meaningful resources, either, you know, cash or staff time, um, that we do a fair amount uh, of work understanding exactly what we're getting into and exactly what the process will entail. Last question, but I kind of want to reframe it into the affordable world with the with the rising interest rate that you get hit with some of your deals in your pipeline and all of a sudden you find yourself with gaps that you weren't expecting to get, you know, just the normal yeah. stuff and, and how'd you handle that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like it was raining and I was outside, so I also got wet, um, yeah. like everybody else. <laughs> imagine, Steve. Imagine if I said no. Saw <laughs> so it all coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I didn't expect the most rapid interest rate increase in modern history to occur, um, and that that posed some challenges. But uh, what I'll say, right, is that every deal that that we've got we've been able to get a large part to navigate those challenges. Um, you know, in the markets that we're in, uh, you know, we've worked with our municipal partners to solve for gaps. And that means that we take a little bit of pain and they take a little bit of pain. And you don't walk in there kind of with the idea that like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm gonna make the same amount of money or more, right? Uh, it's saying, hey, you know, uh, the world's moved against us, right? Uh, let's find a way as partners to navigate through this process and, and make sure that everybody's you know, coming out of here uh, a little unhappy, but not so unhappy. You know, I think that's what good compromise is, right? It's, it's making sure everybody's just a little upset. Did you find yourself looking at HUD or foreign investments or anything like that? You know, uh, no, not necessarily. I've uh, been lucky enough to uh, integrate new municipal resources, right? In DC, we have DC Line Tech, which is super right. helpful. Um, you know, and uh, been able, I think, to work with um, with private placement. Uh, JP Morgan's been, you know, uh, really, really awesome to work with. Closing a deal with them shortly, so you know, a uh, big fan of that group over there. And uh, you know, I think it, when it's nice when you have recurring partnerships, 
um, because you're doing a lot to keep each other's business, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and the expediency, I think, you know, uh, more than makes up for the incremental pricing decrease to the extent that, that you're not creating a super competitive environment. Right. Um, I, I like working with partners that are easy to work with and that are good to work with, that are honest, straightforward and communicative. And, and once you find those, you know, frankly, I'm willing to pay a premium to keep them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I know um, a lot of our questions we get from our audience is, you know, how do you scale a business? And for most of those guys, because they don't have the balance sheet, they, they have to do JV. That's that's how they scale their business. Um, balance sheet's never been a problem for you guys. So how, how do you plan on scaling scaling up your business or what your, your scaled up model look like? Yeah, you know, I think partnerships are a big part of it, frankly, right? I, I think that, uh, you know, you're you're offloading risk and responsibility. It gives you an opportunity to bring in someone who's more familiar with the market, more familiar with the nuances and idiosyncrasies of the subsidy allocation process. Um, you know, our first deal we partner with National League Partnership Foundation. Uh, DC, we have a deal that's closing with partners with, with MANA and Cast on Real Estate Partners out of New York. Um, you know, and uh, I, I would next deal uh, partners in DC with Phi Beta Sigma, the uh, historically black fraternity. Um, the, uh, you know, the goal is, is always, I think, for me to have meaningful strategic relationships that uh, can help, you know, shore up the project and, and make sure that we have the appropriate resources, attention, you know, expertise to get it over the finish line. Um, Miami, we're doing a deal partnering with Urban American and the New York City-based group we're going to bring down there. Um, but, you know, the goal is, right, or, or there's an overused old African proverb that says, you know, if you uh, want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it's overused because it's true. Uh, my intention, right, is, uh, you know, is to go far. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I believe in the power of strategic partnerships. I think more to the point, um, you know, I, I think that any group, uh, and you can look at the biggest developers in the world, the related, the CIM, the Renatos. Um, they've got strategic programmatic relationships with people who've grown with them or the people that are appropriate to their scale. And uh, if it's good enough for those guys, it's certainly good enough for me. Exactly. Yeah. And what I do try to, to stress to these guys in the affordable world, you know, you're generally talking developer fees, the profit margin, I mean, not a lot of help, not a lot of cash flow rolling around. So, uh, you got to scale, you know, to, to make that work. You got to compile those developer fees. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes a project management exercise. You know, I think the way you make a lot of money in affordable housing is you vertically integrate or you move into mixed income house. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's really hard to, you don't see big affordable developers that just remain developers. Um, you know, you got to make sure that, uh, that you can sort of compete either through every vertical aspect of a real estate Definitely. project. Yep. Um, or or broaden the asset classes that you're familiar with. And I think Legacy's got a great advantage there because they, you know, um, I worked on on every asset class. Uh, and, and to the extent that, you know, we need to to bring our affordable expertise and sort of our niche expertise in affordable housing to a broader project where we're spreading risk across, you know, a variety of different execution strategies, uh, we're well positioned to do that. And I think that differentiates us from, you know, all of our competitors, or certainly nearly all of our competitors of a similar scale. And uh, it's gonna be something that that inures to our benefit over the next couple of market cycles. And you see us grow and you see the curve of what we're able to undertake expand as well. 
What do you envision legacy to be in the next five years or so? Five years, that's 2028, so into 2028. Um, look, I think I think you're going to be talking about some of the more active multifamily developers, you know, in, in Miami, in D.C., in Boston, and I think you're going to be saying, um, five years isn't a long enough time to deliver tons and tons of building, um, but I think you hear about us a little bit now. Uh, I think you'll be hearing a lot about us going forward. Nice. You know, I, I, it's hard, right? Like so much of what we do is uncertain, right? And and so like, like I know the direction that we want to head, right? Um, I know we want to grow. Um, I know we're, we're looking to expand uh, not only sort of horizontally and other asset classes, but sort of vertically, um, you know, and, and take on more of the real estate services beyond development, right? Mm -hmm. um, but how quickly we get there and, and when we take in each incremental step is in large part contingent uh, upon the opportunities available to us, where we're able to navigate and be successful, where our competitive advantages sit at any given time. I think that, that what's, what's really hard, right, is, you know, you got, I think about it with chess, you know, you got a plan and you got tactics, right? And you always got to think about your plan, but, you know, uh, you got to be cognizant of your tactics to take advantage of opportunities. And when you do that, right, and, and you receive an advantage, you then have to change your plan, right? Or your mm -hmm. plan adapts based on the new position. Uh, and so I, I try to treat managing the growth of the business a lot like a game of chess. You know, you want to be fundamentally sound. You want to have a good plan, right? Uh, you know, for lack of a better word, you want every piece is on good squares and you want to take advantage of tactics as they come about. Right. And um, that, that's how we're thinking about it. So we know where we want to go, how we get there, uh, you know, without without sounding cheeky, we're going to get there the best possible way. Yeah, gotcha. For, uh, for our emerging developers, we always emphasize the role of uh, relationships. Do you have any tips that have worked well for you as it relates to managing relationships? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I'd say, right, like like my situation is a little different than, than a lot of emerging developers. So I caveat this answer by saying that, you know. I got a really great last name. I got a good first name, you know. Uh, <laughs> if I call and I leave a message and I, I usually just say Don Peebles, I'll get a call back. Um, <laughs> you know, they'll be a little surprised when I pick up the phone. You know, they won't know what to say until I clarify. But, um, you know, I, it's, uh, I think maintaining relationships is, you know, uh, is more the harder part, right? Because uh, there's a line. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you have natural touch points to people, right? But you don't want to come across as inauthentic. And so, you know, I think that uh, the right way to do it uh, is is the way you should treat, you know, almost anybody else, right? Be friendly, um, treat everybody with respect, be outgoing, right? But there's no need to, you know, and, and there's some people who do this. I mean, it probably works for them. It, it just never felt natural to me, but like have monthly check-ins, you know, or set reminders. I don't, I don't do any of that. You know, I think, you know, when I have interactions, you get my whole interaction, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and when it's appropriate, we'll talk again. And, you know, uh, if a more intimate or like closer relationship builds, that's amazing. If it doesn't, you know, we're always going to be friendly. We're always going to be cordial. We're always going to be in a position where you know that I'm honest with you. And then we can navigate difficult circumstances together, right? Which is what you want in a partner. Because real estate deals take a long time and she goes wrong. Uh, so the most important skill set, I think there's two important skill sets, right? The first one is distress tolerance. Is how okay can you be when it's not okay, right? Because you've got to sit with prolonged series, like prolonged instances of discomfort 
without like a clear remedy. And you gotta you gotta kind of wait it out. Uh, and that's not easy for a lot of people. A lot of people get into that situation and they respond impulsively to you know things that maybe aren't in their long-term best interest. I think I think the second piece, right, that um, you got to work with people who you can trust, right? And that's not trust not to lie to you, right? It, it's also you know uh, trust to navigate uh, difficult circumstances collaboratively. Things go wrong, right? People lose money, um, but how you uh, how you navigate the things that aren't going great. Uh, is, in my opinion, uh, the better barometer to value or that you should use to value your, your relationships, whether they be professional or personal. I, you know, I, I tell my buddies this shit all the time, right? Like, it's really easy to, to fall in love in the south of France. You know, if you go to the south of France and you fall in love and then you go to the Amalfi Coast and you fall deeper in love, right? Um, you know, who knows, you're skiing in Aspen and you want to marry her. Like, I think about that one. Right. Because um, it's, it's easy to get along when shit's going well. Right. Uh, but how you get along when shit's not going well uh, is is a much better indicator uh, for whether or not that's a meaningful and important you know, personal or professional relationship. Right. Yeah. Right. And for folks in D.C. that are, you know, kind of green, I always stare them to like ARAP. You know, great organization. Uh, we have one in mm -hmm. Philly now, you know, just to kind of go in there. And there's a variety of people that you can meet, whether it's brokers, architects, engineers. I mean, everybody's there. And um, yeah, I, I love ARAP. Um, you know, it's funny. I got a great ARAP story. My dad was supposed to give a speech at ARAP like a few years ago, and he uh, got delayed at the airport. Um, and I had to, I had to stand <laughs> in for him. I don't know if y'all were there for that. You did a great but, job, man. I remember yeah, that. that was a while ago. <laughs> like four years I mean, ago, yeah. It's funny. Uh, I always think, man, I always think I don't get worried about public speaking anymore because there's just no way I could ever be less prepared talking to a more important group of people with no notice. Like, that's as hard as it could be. Like, what else are they going to do? But uh, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. But AREP is awesome. I love AREP. Uh, DC is like a young real estate council that's really good. Uh, that's fun. My buddy Marcus uh, is like the chairman of that. Uh, another great guy, right? Talk about iron sharp and iron. Marcus is, is is awesome. You know, yeah. very intentional about how he does things. Great connector of people. Um, but uh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, and then obviously like ULI, right? If you're very smart, you should join ULI. If you're not so smart, you don't need to join ULI. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's like the highbrow. That's the Harvard of real estate professional clubs. Um, and then DCBIA. I like their gala. I do. It was at Anthem not too long ago. Top tier gala, very very well done. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, I've seen you at Reese a lot in the Reese conferences. I, I got a Reese backpack. I like Reese, right? I don't, <laughs> they don't invite me to speak at Reese as much as I want. You know, mm -hmm. they, they said, Don, you got to accomplish more shit first. So <laughs> that's why I'm working so hard. Yeah, that's why I, I can I can you know I can do better, uh, and then and then Reese can can give me more prominence. But, but I'm a big Reese <laughs> fan. I know you talked about the professional organization, but how do you invest in your professional development, you know, just to stay on top of your game? So that, that's a great question, right? Um, I lean on mentors a lot for that, you know? Um, so so guys like, uh, like Steve Green, who I mentioned, obviously my father, you know, um, but, but there are a number of guys who've uh, been really, really successful in the space that I have a lot of access to. And, you know, I, I love kind of, talking through how they look at problems and how they evaluate risk. Um, I think that the other big part of that is, is after action reports. So mm -hmm. I, I really like that, right? Is 
is after a decision is made and an outcome is, is sort of resolved, right? And a lot of times in real estate, that's actually a long period of time, right? I like to I like to unpack the decision, right? What did I know at the time, right? And why did I make the decision that I made at that time, right? And what do I know now? Uh, would I have made the same decision? And do I think it would have led to a different outcome, right? Uh, I think that sort of formalizing that thought process that you're constantly critically evaluating why you've done things and how they've worked out, um, I think is is a really, really big part of it. Um, you know, the other thing is repeated exposure, right? Uh, they're all things that we don't like to do. And in large part, we don't like to do them because we're bad at them. And that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like I'm a really shitty golfer. So I don't like to golf, so I don't golf, so I'm a really shitty golfer. That's actually true, um, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's also it's a fact for, you know, anything or any sort of individual skill set uh, in real estate, right? Um, like if you're not, uh, if I'm not a good public speaker, I won't seek out opportunities to public speak. And if we're not, if I don't get practice, I'll remain a shitty public speaker. Um, and so I think when, when you're, when you struggle with something, right, uh, it's like, it's a sign that says you should keep doing this, right? You should actively seek out circumstances where you're uncomfortable because they will stop being circumstances where you're uncomfortable. And that's easier said than done because like we all want things to be safe, easy, and happening on yachts in the Mediterranean. Um, but but that's, that's unfortunately not where a meaningful life is built. And uh, like I hear, you know, it's expensive to get those boats. Yeah, that's awesome. Last question for you. Uh, do you think the Heat will sign Dame, or are you thinking the gap with that? Look, honestly, you know, I got the blessing of of being close to a, a fucking top tier organization. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you think about the Patriots, maybe the Spurs and Popovich's heyday, but the Spolstra Riley Heat uh, are, you know, the top. I mean, are, are top tier company, right? They're mm -hmm. a Fortune five company in professional sports. Full stop. Um, so I think that you know organization is going to make the right decision, um, you know, for our long-term best interest. We continue to develop undrafted talent. And um, I mean, look, like I live across the street from an arena. So if we have Damian Lillard, <laughs> I will be at every home game I can. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so if you're thinking about the long, Mickey Harrison, if you're thinking about the long-term best interest of the Heat, uh, or Carnival Cruise Lines, or or whatever yacht you have, mm -hmm. know that I will spend way more money if we sign him, and I promise luxury taxes. It was a small <laughs> thing to a giant. Yeah, you know, it's a small thing. It's yeah. chump change, twenty million dollars yeah. to you. You know, <laughs> hey, look, man, him and Jimmy Butler will be a problem for some folks. I can tell you that. Oh man, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler wins basketball games, right? Yeah. Just on sheer force of will. Exactly. Like it's just wild to watch. I'm just like, you were you just try harder than everybody else, you know? Hey, Jimmy. Hey man, but Donnie, this has been a lot of fun, man. We're, we're gonna wrap up. Man, really appreciate you coming through, stopping at the real estate shop, spending some time. I appreciate it. Thank All you. All right, man. Good luck. Talk to you all soon. Thank Take you. Care.